Cue then the fact that uh, one of our um, buyers was a guy called Zach. Big up to Zach, by the way, for for letting me pester you and, and get on your station because Zach owned a station called LWR. Now there, from Radio Fulham, I did have another couple of pirates, but I didn't. I did not stay on them. One of them was a station called TKO, which I think I stayed on for two weeks. Don't ask me why I even left, but I, I, a great story is that coming out of the TKO studio, which was around like all the studios in that time, Lenny were in an area in an area called Crystal Palace, southeast London. Yeah, because of the height, because of the height of getting the the masts up, so we could get the coverage. You know. Mm-hmm. And I bumped into this young guy called Carl Cox. It, it was just fresh going. I think he was going on. I was coming off. And that was like, the, but Carl knew, I mean, Carl, because I, I ran other record stores and I was in that area, Carl, you know, we knew each other anyway. But, you know, it's like, oh, man, I didn't even know he was on this station. So there's a there's a little touch there. He was a good boy. He, he was living, I think, at that time. I know you've had him on the, on the show, but he was, I think he was out in Horsham, West Sussex. Anyway, I digress. So LWR's Zach, the owner, started to come in and buy piles and piles and piles of music. He was more, obviously, for jazz, soul. Like his, and LWR was predominantly a reggae station as well, mm-hmm. deep-rooted reggae. They had this uh, a load of guys called the LWR Reggae Squad. They, you know, and, and everyone I know that's listening now will be singing their jingles. You know, I mean, they, they were very, very popular. And the reason that they they had obviously that popularity is number one, they they had great uh, guys in the background doing their engineering. They developed something called a microwave link. And remember, we're we're going back way, way, way back. And the whole idea of the microwave link was to broadcast from said studio. Uh, sorry, from said aerial to studio or, or vice versa. Where, dare I say, it was basically a link. So that if the DTI did come, they're not going to find the actual studio. They're going to find where it was broadcasting from, which was the link. So the studio would be broadcasting to the the link. The link would then broadcast it out. I don't. I'd love to remember because I did meet. I'd love to remember the guy that actually invented that or, or kind of was part of engineering that. But uh, again, we're getting quite technical. But I'm telling you now, that was one of the reasons that LWR stayed on so long. Um, and protected we, all of you, basically kept you out of harm's way with the yeah, cars, basically. Abs- Absolutely. Absolutely. That on top of the fact that some of the studios that we broadcast from were in serious no-go areas as well. So that was also a, a fun part of so the um, camouflaging of being in the ghetto. In the ghetto. In the ghetto. Nobody's yeah. gonna they ain't doing nothing over here. Nobody's thinking uh, you're running a full station from someone's a flat. I, I been, a, people, I have to be honest. I have to be honest, when I first came across on that that Titanic ship into the United Kingdom and I went to those pirate stations, they were bedroom DJs, 
But let me tell you something. At 100,000 plus listeners, you went and did those shows because you were promoting yeah. records. Or D- and Louis Vega went. All of us went and did those shows. It wasn't like, yeah. no, this is pre-Kiss, pre-all that. But go ahead, Jazz. Yeah. Well, we were, I think, dare I say, I think we were like second-gen pirates then. You know, you, like I say, you had your, your radio invictors. You had, they, there was really, I say radio invictors. I don't think there was any anyone else my my growing up listening to radio was predominantly greg edwards robbie vincent you know uh on legal legal uh radio radio station but but pretty much everybody um that's that's not so much obviously the the youngsters that are on now but uh, you know some of the big names found their way through pirate radio somehow some way to get on you know my my show particularly went on after a gentleman called Tim Westwood, um, who ran a, a really, obviously, an infamous uh, hip-hop show. He, he was so notoriously known uh, for that. And, and I used to love that fact that I was going on after this massively popular with... And Tim was such a character, and his whole style of uh, broadcast was was even just fun to watch, you know? And I was very animated, so I absolutely loved it. Um, but there's some great stories. Like I, I won't obviously go into two of but one of the greatest stories that I do remember from many times of broadcast on LWR is um, we used to uh, we had a little uh, cubby hole in in a church somewhere, believe it or not, and we had the studio set up there, and the studio would consist of two decks about four towers of double cassettes and, yeah, a couple of little monitors. All, all, all the uh, decks were plastic in case they were nicked or, or, or taken, you know. Never, never 12, never twelve. I mean, God, they, they wouldn't have been heard of in the sense of a, a pirate station then. No. Um, and what we used to do was record these tapes, then run up the hill, to uh, in that time, this is this is uh, Crystal Palace High Street, to a but- a butcher shop which was um, empty, but it used to be a butcher's. <laughs> open the door, have a key, obviously. Open the door, run in, make sure you're not seen, and then go and go out to the back into one of the where the, there would have been a fridge, and literally there was be a ca- double cassette player playing. Put that tape in, press play. And that would be ready, lined up, ready as your show was running. Jesus Christ. Sounds like you're running a drug spot more than a radio station. Absolutely. Wow. Unbelievable the amount of security that you guys had going on to keep the music. Just just so. And, of course, the studio, like, dare I say, not that I'm involved in drugs, but dare I say, it, it did move around a lot. Those studios moved, and they were in some areas, man, that you'd be like, I got moved on. I remember the jacking zone once never even went out. A police just saw me, rolled up, said, what the are you doing here, mate? And I went, huh? And I had my bag, which happened to be my mum's shopping. You know, good shopping trolleys. Well, this was my disguise. I had a shopping trolley bag with my records in one side and a load of towels on the other side to cover it all up. So I'd be walking along with this bloody shopping trolley bag and he said, what are you doing here with that? And, of course, it did look a bit suspect. So I went, nothing. He went, go on. On your way, mate. 
the show never went out that night. That's when I had a nine till twelve slot. How really important was this getting these shows on the air? How very important are they, Jazzy, at that time? They were I suppose in a way it was like life or death, really. You you know, so, you were the, the, I, now I look back, I, I, I'm quite joking about it, but I, I took it so insanely serious. I mean, you know, I did, I did cover up what I was doing. I, you know, the records would be in one corner of this great big trolley that, you, you know, you used to be able to slide them off a, a wheeling trolley, you know, shopping trolley. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, cover up with whatever. I even, I mean, dare I say, even used to take, um, I used to study a lot of martial arts. I used to take a few things in there just in case you got jumped or whatever. I mean, it, they were, it was hairy, man. I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. Some of the places were a bit, you know. Um, and of course, being on nine till 12 as well was quite a, quite a, you know, a late spot. It's an urban, it's a true urban time slot. It's, yeah. yeah. It's nine to midnight. Nine till midnight. People drive around in cars, drinking, yeah. some, drinking some beer, listening, you know, yeah. maybe smoking some herb, you know, doing yeah. that. That's that time of night where people are feeling like, you know, looking for ladies or whatever. It's a weeknight, right? Was it weeknight yeah. you were playing? Yeah, Tuesday became synonymous to Tuesdays and Thursdays. Those were, you know, and, and straight after Westwood. Westwood would do two hours of hip-hop, um, and I'd do three hours of house. It, I mean, the earlier day, you know, I've, I've completely jumped um, from the, the completely early days of when I was doing LWR, and the way that even the show got named The Jack in Zone, because obviously what people don't, you know, it's, it's really funny how everyone's got a story to tell about the way it began, and and like you're thinking, well, being there at the start and being and knowing how those tunes came in, and knowing people like Marshall Jefferson and you know, hey, hey, Marshall, <laughs> you know, and thank you, man, um, and and talking to them on the phone and getting those promos on cassette because that's the only way we got our promos at that time. There was no such thing. Do you know what? There was things in America called record pools. You know this, yeah. For DJ services, yeah? Yes, sir. We yes. never had that here. We, I think um, Tony Prince's DMC was really the first real, you know... Organised type of record. Organised, yeah. So, and shouts to Tony as well. Thank you for DMC, man. But um, really and truly, yeah, it's it, it's insane to think that we, we, we had no way of being serviced. So, yeah, you would have to get on, on the phone... You would have to kind of find, I don't even know how I found out people's numbers and that, but I obviously did. And, you know, we, we'd start getting sent the stuff because they, they, they found out about the Jacking Zone. And, of course, the Jacking Zone was was doing things, was starting to, to break their music. Absolutely. I'm not even going to, you know, that's not boasting. That's just a Jazzy, true fact. Let me have this. Let's explain that a little bit. I want to go into that a little deeper, the, the jacking zone. Mm. You created the show. Was it something that just hit you that you were going to do this? Or was it someone tipped you and said, if you go this way, this can really work? No, it was um, 
it's just, I think the way my brain works, it was just an idea. I love them. I love the word zone. Don't ask me why. I have no idea. And zone is prominent in the sense that when I was playing uh, music on my on on my, on my shows, I called part of my show the Jackin Zone because there was not enough house records to play. That's how early. That's that's why it was at the beginning. You know, with we are talking maybe late eighty. I, again, I can't quite remember late late eighty four into eighty five. Then obviously eighty six when oh my god, there was so much house music. But them earlier days, no man, there was not. So it's just a small part of the show. And I'd be playing disco and Latin and all kind, you know, jazzy, jazzy and Latin. So I played lots of uh, jazzier forms of music. Uh, always upbeat, though. Always a lot of energy. I loved energy, you see. So faster music to me was the way forwards rather than... And I'm not against, obviously, slow music or, or what they would call in them days two-step. And, and really and truly, in those days... There was quite what I would call a, a stranglehold on London of slower beats. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that that was the thing that was like, you know, a lot of people be playing more kind of just this, this, this head nod style and, you know, funk and soul, reggae, obviously reggae, you know. Um, and and my my station, the station I was on, was very prominent. For, you know, two step tunes that you know everybody at a jam would go mental for. You know, right. Um, and so it was very much against the grain. But because I had quite an upbeat show anyway, house just sorted in beautifully. But I did have to call it something different. And of course, Q. I keep saying Q. I'm going to stop doing that. Uh, Q, um, KLX is the jacking zone. Four track EP under the guise of Risque Rhythm Team. Yeah. And um, there was my title. There was my show. And it became, it became the tune that I then started to intro that part of the show too and I, I go right this is yeah it was it was great the jack in time it just made obvious sense to me did people and, come knocking on your door saying jazzy please play my record was that happening yet at that time in the pre-beginning or no no but uh when they started to find me in the record stores that i was working in and what i started doing was asking people to send in their tapes uh -huh. And that's how um, Julian Jonah, Paul Hartnell, uh, as in, uh, you know, Chai, Chai Orbital, uh, and, and many people, because there's, there's loads and loads of people, you Kid know, the uh, Kid Bachelor. Yeah, there, there we go. Uh, so there's a great story to even just this, this, this track itself. Yeah. The one thing that I wanted to do with, with um, when I started that label was was make sure that everybody had their own like little brand, their own design. And uh, I know I know that the Hartnell brothers might differ in, in in, but the way I remember it is that 
the whole idea of the name Orbital, because they weren't they weren't calling themselves that, uh, was because of the Orbital Raves, which obviously came a bit later. And um, yeah, I thought that it was it went very well with Ozone. Of course, I was you know very space cadetty and thinking, oh, yeah, Orbital, Orbital Raves, Ozone. It kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, it's got that spacious feel to it. Yeah, and 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 this by this time I had my own uh, uh, record store in, in London called the Vinyl Zone, and um, that it. The thing is, is that Ozone. Yeah, there it is. Oh my God, look at that! Look at that hair! Look at Madonna behind us. <laughs> <laughs> Come shop here. Yeah, I come up here. <laughs> wow, that is. Do you know what, Lenny? I, I when I was preparing for this show, I could not believe I could not find any pictures. I don't even have a picture of the front of the vinyl zone, like you know the actual facial, because it was all um, Colin. Thank you, Colin Hodge. Got a shout to him because he did all our uh, artwork in them days. Vinyl zone uh, artwork, like the the design and um, oh, we had a graffiti counter. We had a graffiti vinyl zone. And of course, down, down the new Kings road, Swiddy, that didn't really bode too well, but uh, it was cool. I enjoyed it. We, we stuck out a little bit like a sore thumb, but we, if anyone knows the new Kings road, we were, we were the very, very last shop at the bottom of where the shops ended because that was obviously you know it's a, it, a massively expensive area and i i can't even begin to imagine how expensive it is now but it wasn't too cheap even in them days and the, the real reason that i want my store down that road i wanted to be in the king's road by the way lenny which is where it was all happening was a really dear friend shouts to tony monson um ran a, sh a shop that i used to shop in called disc empire one of my favorite stores and still to this day was just a real true upbringing from from that man tony he used to supply me all my jap jazz uh you know and i i just loved it i just loved going and i, I know how everybody will relate to one you know going into record stores it, it is a thing if you if you're not into it you're certainly and you will find it so boring but if you're into it there is nothing like it. And it was, it was, a, you know, it was a meeting point as well. That's a meeting point. That's yeah. talk about that. How many things happened besides meeting other producers? How many things, you know, yeah, well, deals were done. Yeah. Deals were done. Um, raves were made. We sold tickets to the first biology. We, uh, which, you know, um, I think it was over four and a half. I mean, so many people came through the doors. We were very, very lucky uh, in the sense that because of where we were placed in London, we weren't in the West End. That became our demise in the end, some almost eight to ten years later. But to begin with, oh, my God, we it was you couldn't have picked a better place because we had down the road from us A&M, BMG, uh, FFRR, Polydor, Mercury, Polygram, like the Polygram building was in Hammersmith. 
And down at the bottom of the New Kings Road was BMG, RCA, and A&M Records. A dear friend uh, of mine, Mike Seston, was A&R there. Big, big love to you, Mike. He used to bring people, if they were in town, he'd go, I'm going to take you to go and see my man, Jersey. He's just got a store up the road. Uh, and I, I met, uh, you know, to this day, I still think, uh, I met, you know, Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, um, Nile Rogers, you know, came and Julian wasn't there that day. He was absolutely gutted because he was his hero and he was certainly my hero um, and still is, you know. And as far as the DJs were concerned, they were very, very, very well looked after. You, that shot that you just uh, showed of the of the back of, of the office, if uh, I suppose if you were uh, number 11, yeah. To the side of you, which you can't see, was was a, a set of decks and everything. Where, dare I say, the 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 specialist customers would come in. These are the guys that would have uh, a cubby hole in vinyl zone, and their names would be on it. And unfortunately, I don't have a picture of that, but uh, you know what I'm talking about. Then you'd have your own cubby hole there on I the shelving behind you right now. Yeah. Except right, smaller, like, a little smaller, like, you know. Yeah, let me get to the right side. So your name would be here, yeah? And every week, or every day, I should say, as the, the imports were coming in, as, uh, you know, people were coming in, we'd be putting them away for you. And what I loved about it, Lenny, is that I had people like Colin Favor, Really dear friend, rest in peace, Colin. Yeah, um, yeah. And and so many people, CJ McIntosh. Um, that I, so many, so many people would be coming through those doors. And then if they were in town, uh, Alfredo from Ibiza, uh, David Morales would grace us a few times. I mean, you know, lots and lots of wonderful. DJs, but the, the the real core of our um, buyers would have all their cubby holes, and we just yeah fill them up, and then they come along. Mister C used to be away. He he, he um, I remember him playing me a tape of an idea that he had for a track called Ebenezer Goodman, and he said, "What do you think of this?" He was a really really good friend of mine, and um, I said, "Yeah." I so I goes to be fair, mate. It, he, he had so much prowess and, and, and confidence in it. I said, that's that's a, that's most really a number one. And it was number one. So, But what I'm trying to say is all through the years of the Vinyl Zone, they were unbelievable, a real meeting point. The, the, I suppose where, where um, maybe uh, the shame came for it was the fact that as it went into its later years, there was more and more and more and more and more record stores opening and they all tend to be around the West End area. So then people would, you know, if they were traveling, they'd be thinking, well, I could get hit 10 stores there or I go all the way out to see Jazzy for one store. I mean, there were a couple of stores that did open up later on further down the King's Road, but, you know, they... They were quite far, even they were like a couple of two, three miles away, you know? Yeah, but see, like in New York, I remember every store had its 
stock. Not yeah. everybody carried the same stuff. If you missed one thing from one place, a lot of times you go to another record shop, they wouldn't have it. So yeah. it was, we would have to come to see you because we knew you had certain things others yeah. have, basically. Vice versa. Well, the thing is, I'd look after, if you obviously, in a sense, were one of my customers, um, between me and my, my partner, Steve, shouts to Steve, by the way, Steve Harris, who, who ran the store with me, and Julian, of course. Julian Jonah worked there. Mm-hmm. Um, shouts to you, Julian. You know, we we had our own set of customers. We would look after them. Some of them would be got. You know, I always used to get wound, uh, not wound up, but you know, the way banter runs go, yeah, Jazzy, I never got out of the back, man. I wasn't important enough. But, you know, it, was, it wasn't the biggest store in the world. We, we, did, we did our best in the sense of, like, keeping everybody happy. It was, do you know what it was like, Lenny? It was kind of tailor-made. It was like, I used to, I had this ability to be able to get into people's, and know what they want. And if I had a pound for everyone that said, man, you, I used to spend so much money with you. <laughs> but they've got, they've all got amazing record collections, you know. Like, we call them vinyl zoners or whatever they, you know, it goes with you brought up on vinyl zone, you know. So, but you're right, people did come, but I think we were always at the mercy of the the importers. It wasn't like the days with Greg James and spin-offs where Greg could almost dictate. You know what I mean? He, 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 it was completely different in them days. We, we were at the mercy. And say if a van had been to La 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 and then come to us, that, that hot tune might already be gone and we'd be waiting. And, I, you know, and of course, we we was so, so good at keeping our finger on the pulse, but I just, oh. we, could, we couldn't get, I mean, it was, it was our ability to know tunes and break them that really helped us and that I think why we survived so long. But eventually it was the fact that the popularity got so, so condensed into the West End. I, that was my feeling anyway. That and maybe Margaret Thatcher. Ah, Margaret Thatcher, yes. But uh, we, we, we had an amazing time. Yeah. She ruled England with her own fist, Margaret. Iron fist, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it, it, it's a sad thing to, you know, to, to eventually close and, and you know, close to and people do obviously, you know, on on social media, people really, really do reminisce, and you know, just everybody ha- whoever speaks about vinyl zones always got a nice thing to say, which is cool. You know, oh, I can't it remember left, every day that happened. It left its mark on the yeah. yeah, a lot of us. Yeah, it was fun. It was always fun, mind you, off camera. Jazzy used to truck in each and every day and truck the hell out of London every day. Yeah. Seven days a week for many, many years. Yeah. So. No, no holidays. No holidays. <laughs> no holidays, no. There, rain, snow, sleet, sun. He was there. Yeah. There all the time. You had to do that. It's your own business, isn't it, Lenny? You, you had to do that. I mean, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I, you know, I. 
if I had that chance to do it, I know I'd do it all over again. It was, uh, they were groundbreaking days, maybe a little bit uh, wiser because obviously this is a thing in it. Hindsight's a beautiful thing. You look back and you think, damn, I, if only I'd have done that a, a little bit different. But, sure. uh, you know, you can't help. One thing I'll always say to anyone out there, you can't help who you are. And if, you know, you just be yourself, man, as best as you can be. You know, helping people was was a was a powerful thing, and and meeting people was also well, a great. Thing. That's what I'm going to ask you the question now. Yeah, there was the record that happened out of that before the store closed. There's a few things that happened that that are part of your history, historically speaking. Uh, coming from the UK side, some producers came from that store. Some records came from that store. Can you share well, from the vinyl zone? Yeah, yeah. I'll let you tell that story, brother. Well, are we talking about the start of Ozone? Is that is that where you're getting going that to? And also the bet, the little bet of what, what happened. Oh, oh, well, the bet, the bet that happened happened at uh, spinoffs. Okay, so you can. So yeah. we'll, we'll go now. We're going to go back. We're going to go back to the time of spinoffs. And what happened was there was this young guy who I hadn't met before, but he was obviously this DMC hip hop man. Unbelievable scratch DJ called Richie Rich, Grandmaster Richie Rich. And Greg, at this time, was then doing these early mixing and scratch lessons downstairs. He'd, he'd opened up, he'd refurbed the shop downstairs. Anyway, so there we are. And Richie, um, and obviously me and Richie become seriously good friends. I'm obviously running the top, running the store. He's running the lessons, Yeah. Uh, Greg's already put like this little, what you call a four track studio. Do you remember them little four track recorders? Four track, man. Four track. And I, the reason I say four track is because I bet Richie, now I say we, we became really close friends. He became the godfather of my daughter. And I bet him, I said, you know, and it was a, a very jovial bet. It wasn't like, you know, bet for money. I said, listen, man, I bet you can't make a house tune. It goes, you might be big on the hip hop, la la la, giving it all that. I said, go on, I bet you can't make it. What, you want a bit? La la la. Went downstairs. I don't know, a few hours later, he came up with his cassette, all big smile across his pearly whites, and uh, we put it in on the big system, you know, and then I'm like hearing this, <laughs> and, you know, it was obviously just like the back the backbeat of uh, Salsa House. And then, and then, yeah, there you go. <laughs> right? And all from a gamble. All from you saying... All from a gamble. Because Rich's, Rich's heart and soul, Lenny, was hip-hop, not, not house. And, you know, you've got New York producers, dare I say, dare I say, people like Todd, Terry... Kenny Doe, you can hear even to this very day that they, you know, that they, and obviously Kenny Dope has made a lot of dope beats as well, you know, Jeep beats or whatever he's done on his EPs with timeless amounts of music that both of them are made. But, you know, and I've, I've not really known Kenny, but I've met Todd on many occasions and we've always, you know, always spoken and his love for people. And you can hear it in their music. Yeah. Even though they're making house house music, house beats, and Richie was, you know, obviously this was the start. This was this was like, 
this could have been like uh, the start of his, um, you know, and he didn't, he went on and bring, I mean, Jesus, the Salsa house was enormous, you know, but it did start its life as a, as a bet. And it was a very funny bet as well, because when I heard that loop, you know, with the, the little Michael, Michael Jackson, <gasps> you know, but it, I didn't hear the, you know, the, the, the tinkling of the, the kind of Latin. That was a Michael Jackson. That was a Michael Jackson sample in there. I think. Well, uh, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, <sighs> yeah. God, and then you're like a like a door shut. God. Wow. Uh, I mean, as as that's what he told me. Anyway, I I mean, as I say, it was it was the very early four track versions. You know, obviously, you can't really get a lot on four tracks, but there it was. The the very basis of. Um, then obviously the tinkling, dun, 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 you know, when he started to then play it over the top and made it into Salsa House. Do you know what I don't remember, though? I don't remember how it was named it. I can't remember how he named it, but he obviously came up with it. So so the record now is in your hands. Where do you guys take this? What happens? Huh? What's the story in between you hearing him bring the cassette upstairs and everybody heard the, the record in the shop or whatever. No, no one was there. No one was there at that just time. You, but just you and Rich. Yeah, just me. We, I think <clears throat> I think this would have been late, you know, after we'd shut it and locked locked the doors and we would just, you know, and, and he would come up. Obviously, we used to be in that shop quite late, man. And um, yeah, he'd come upstairs and, you know, played it. And I was I, I was obviously going mental, thinking, this is wicked, you know. As I did, uh, as as people will always tell you, Lenny, I used to be very, over, you know, uh, enthusiastic would be the word. Yeah. Yes, I do remember that. Very animated. <laughs> when you like very animated, serious amount of energy because I was yes. like, thinking, you know, this is going to, yeah, this is awesome. It's going to kill it, yeah. mate. Yeah. It's gonna yeah. rock. This is going to be the bomb. Yep. So, yeah. Um, my God, it was... Um, what I don't quite remember, but I do. I, I do know. Obviously, at that time, I was, uh, you know, I'd been doing quite a bit of compiling, all right, and, and compiling albums and compiling um, box sets. I did this. Oh look, I've got this one. Okay. I know you've got a picture of it. Here's my first. Everybody, the animated box. Here you go. Nice. Whoa, there we go. That's the real box. Let me show them the picture now. Here you go, everybody. Yeah. Take a look. He was compiling this stuff. He was doing compilation business work for the for the record labels. Yeah. So were you like a junior A and R at that time or something? Well, I, I, I wish I I wish I was, Lenny. I was doing the A and R for the A and R guys. <laughs> but uh, obviously, again, through my energy and enthusiasm, it was just me going, yeah. But I mean, don't get me wrong. I said that sounds like almost an encore, but it's not quite because at the end of the day, I was doing myself a service by by thinking, well, wow, that's another compilation and. Because I was so, dare I say, maybe riding the crest of the first wave of, of the Jacking Zone. The Jacking Zone was getting recognition. So um, I met a, a gentleman called uh, by the name of Pete Tong, who um, put together an idea. And he had already a series of albums out, comp compilation. These are early compilations called The House Sound of London. Yeah? Do you remember him, Lenny? 
Yes, I do. And uh, his get that shirt, everybody. Look at that shirt. Go to that shirt, everyone. Get that shirt. The house sound of London. Yeah, ozone t-shirts.com there's a plug but oh, there you go there's 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 the album and i know thank you so much for wearing that the other day but i i can't quite get that into the it says the jacking zone underneath oh gosh let this there it is perfect yeah. Yeah. ozone yeah. it go to jazzy's dumb site and get yourself a house jacking shirt that is <laughs> <laughs> but um get this, it. Uh, this album yeah. The reason this is tied in with Salsa House is because that's how Salsa House actually Salsa House was not a single. Salsa House was a track on that compilation. And that's how it started. And that's how it started its life. Alongside tunes by a group called the D and S Building Contractors. Mm. Now let that sink in because they became known later on as Orbital. Let that sink in, everybody. Sink that in. So let's have this correct. These guys were building guys, correct, in the construction field. No, they weren't. They, I think the name, because Paul uh, has got a great, great sense of humor, very dry, I think the whole idea was that they... Uh, chose the name, I think, of somebody that they knew. And I, I, I can't, because I don't know, I can't really say, of, of their building firm. And I obviously, in my inevitable way, turned around and said, nah, man, you cannot have a name like that. I won't quite say what I said. Yeah, it, but sounds like, it sounds like a cement office or a construction yeah. company. Yeah, exactly. DNS building. So that's how, we, that you know, now going back to, Oh, that's why you know they they got named properly yeah we we laid it down we said listen man and there's the there's their design i got that design done for them through um by the way guys if you're listening thank you they're, they're called wandering moonbeam they were my first designers they did the first that's the first gen ozone uh records design right there and i just wanted it to be a little bit special um, as in the sense of like, you know, see, being a record collector myself, I wanted each and every person that was on our label to have their own design, their own little brand logo, if you like, which was, quite, I think, quite progressive at that time. A little totally. bit like cutting edge. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And our, um, our labels became Z and Y. We never went A and B after that. I think that was the first one that we did A and B, but, uh, what a way to start your record label, eh? With a with a tune like that. But then going back to House Sound of London, the Jacking Zone, it was called the Jacking Zone. Obviously, Pete really was into it. Um, they Pete then, you know, being being a really cool A and R guy himself, in the sense of like, thought, you know what we'll do? We'll put some of the tunes from this compilation onto promo twelves and throw them out and see what they do. One of those 12s had a track on it called Salsa House, and it was on the flip side of something else. That was a promo. It was never a promo as a single, but a promo for the album. Right. But obviously it became what it became. Oh, yeah. And then, and then it became, you know, and, it, and it, then in its own right got, got um, 
got its release like it should have. It still drops. Oh yeah, yeah still still, I still play it every so often, and it still does. Yeah. It still dance. drops, man. So does Chime. Chime still still has that euphoric. So just even being proud to be part of something like that. I mean, I, I remixed both of them as well because obviously because I kind of A and R'd them. I got to to the, you know Pete's. I worked very closely with Pete for such a long time. And, uh, yeah, I was very proud of that album, very proud of the fact that we got to, dare I say, didn't never really get, Richie never really wanted to further the career side of of, of House. He, he definitely worked a lot on, on other stuff. He, I think he had stuff with um, a guy that ran a label called G Street. Yes. Uh, stereo MCs were on there, and Richie had, a, a, you know, a bit more success with that label, but never really, I don't, quite remember what happens with with London but with 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 uh, Chime and, and Orbital well obviously you know history's there six we, we signed a six album deal for them and the rest really is history um phenomenal you know amazing uh, one of your first records it's like boom yeah so proud the, the thing is, uh, you know as well as I do, man, you, you do all this stuff, you're living it, you're breathing it, but you don't have the, maybe, dare I say, the wisdom or the, 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 the you know, the, the sass that goes with knowing about the way the record industry really, really, truly worked. Mm. You get me? I mean, um, certainly... I know after all these years of, of, of been doing what I've been doing, I've certainly learned, learned a lot from it. Well, that's part of the, the course, part for course. Wisdom is learned yeah. to experience. The more things yeah. you work on, the more things you get burned as well. You, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that comes quite, with the territory. Quite a few burn marks, man. But uh, I bet. I bet. But wow, what fun doing it. I can't emphasize that more. You know, when you're living and breathing it, it's so, because you're in it, aren't you? You're actually right there in it and you, you don't know anything else. You're just living and breathing it. But you never know where it's, where it's, I, I knew though, as soon as I heard like the first real true 4-4, yeah, there was something different, like the you know the the whole um, energy side of it. Things like Adonis, No Way Back, you know, James Silk, you know. And I know there's how you know. I love the argument about the first house record. We was talking about this, yeah. Um, that's quite funny, you know. Everyone's got their take on Everybody's the first. Everybody's got their tone on what the first house record is. Everybody, but that's everyone's got their take on it. I'm but I was going to ask you something even more so. Do you remember hearing the first big house record where that kick, that boom, boom, was so loud? You were like, whoa. Do you remember any of those? Like what that was? My my first real, like, you know, was um, because, again, I'm not emphasizing that in them days, there was nowhere to play this stuff, man. Nowhere with a with a decent sound system, that's for sure. Or a crowd that would accept it like that. Yeah. Oh, well, that's another story. And it's <laughs> another five hours talking about clearing floors and 
having glasses thrown at you and yeah right and you know and just basically being called derogatory names for playing an upbeat get off the turntables get off man where's where's the bowie where's the and you're like well i like that music but i'm actually playing dance music you know to dance to (laughs) jazzy i love this comment and I know mm. every DJ has heard this sooner or later in their careers, early on mostly. Don't you have anything good to play? Oh. Don't you just... <laughs> <laughs> don't, hey, or, wait a minute. Yeah, go ahead. Or are you going to be playing this all night? Yeah. <laughs> is this part of what we're going to be hearing all You're night? going to be playing all this kind of stuff all night. <laughs> what kind of stuff? Yeah. That's oh, fantastic, isn't it? It just brings back such great memories. Don't yeah. you have anything good in there? Don't you have anything good in your box, like a Paul Anker or a Frank Sinatra? <laughs> yeah, it's like a. You got a bit of Sinatra, son. Yeah, yeah. we got Sinatra for you. That's coming during the dinner course in a moment. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's so funny, isn't it? You 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 strive, you work so hard to get sort of a sound across. Then you kind of like. You know, then everyone's injured. But, you know, that's, that's, I think that's a human story in itself. Oh my God. You know, like not just with house music, just most really with, there could be people out there saying, well, you know, I started to play this, da, 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 da. you know what I mean? But yeah, do you know yeah. what? It, it's, it is nice to be on here telling the story of how it truly, I mean, it really did begin at the beginning, if you like to see, you know, uh, you know, that there, there's, and the reason I kind of know that in London is no one else was there. You know, you, you knew that the pirates that were on or off, you know, and this is what I mean. And, and of course, there wasn't a lot of house records. This is the real deal, you know. You, how the hell can you be the first to play something if it's not actually there to be played? I know. That's yeah. why I know. That's why I'm kind of so glad to say that and, and to, to know there is someone else I really need to say hello to and thank you to, though, massively. It's a, it's a gentleman from America called Rob Olson. And Rob used to do these link-up. We called them the live link-up. And I'm not going to tell you any more than that because everybody always asks me, how did you link up live to Chicago? Well, of course, work the math, work the time difference out. There you go. I'm not going to say any more than that, but we used to do something, Lenny, called the live link up on the Jacking Zone and introduce a gentleman who used to do uh, radio shows, I think on campus, Lenny, in, in, in Chicago. Dare I say uh, K107. I was not meant to ever say dare I say, by the way. And I said it. Um, K107 and... Um, his shows were obviously then played on the Jacking Zone, playing all the latest stuff from Hot Mix 5. And, you know, he was he was really in with the crew, like, you know, Ralphie Rosario, Mario Diaz, you know, some of these amazing, like, more Latin producers coming through in Chicago house music. But Rob, Rob really knew a lot of these guys. And, of course, and another string to the, to the bow, yeah? Yep. In the yep. sense of having somebody, and he went on, Rob, this is what I'm, I'm so happy about. He, he went on in the UK, teamed up with companies called Rhythm King at the time, a label, 
who were run by a company called Rough Trade. Big district. Yeah, Rough Trade. Oh, I remember Rough Trade. Come on now. Yeah. Books out, get your encyclopedias. Uh, Google yeah. Rough Trade. Go ahead. Right. Uh, you know, they massive on the indie front, you know, had labels like One Little Indian, Shaman, Mr. C. Um, and there was a gentleman, now I'm going off on a tangent, this gentleman that worked at Rough Trade, I used to speak to on the phone. This is going all the way back to Croydon days uh, at my price, called Dave Lee. Dave Lee was my seller. He used to sell me music. So let that one sink in. Let's all let's all Google that, everyone. <laughs> Dave Lee. Yeah. The disco remixer that you all know today. Yeah. The guy behind Republic Records signing all those records in the beginning. Yeah. That man, Dave yeah. Lee. That Dave Lee. Was that before Head Boys? Yeah, this is this is going so far back. This is when the Jackin Zone was on. We had, you know, during this what I call the magical two years, the golden two years, where we uh, were untouched. Um, and uh, Dave, uh, you know, again, you know, forgive me, but I, I, I do believe that he was, a, you know, a seller and, and used to, you know. Ring, and we became really good friends. Were you actually calling him on the phone and him playing yeah, records over the phone for you? Yeah, just selling records in, you know, selling records into to, to me. I was buying, obviously, for uh, my price. I, this is where I got to, because Dave introduced me so, to uh, a band, because uh, he, he, he obviously had an affiliation getting the label in, I think called 9.9. And there was a band called ESG. <sighs> and all Sapphire and, and Gold, is it? Um, where obviously the, the, the infamous Moody comes from, which he remixed. I know he remixed on his on one of his Z or whatever. Um, but yeah, he, he introduced me to, I've got to give him props, man. This boy, Dave, so, so knows his stuff. Oh, wait, no, we don't. Oh my God. Yeah. And, and it was a, a really, really, really cool friendship. I really enjoyed talking to, you know, learn, uh, I, I learned a lot from him in, in, even in them really early days, you know, and it, cause he, and the reason I mentioned him in this sense is that I remember seeing him on one of many, you know, uh, programs that have been going out, Lenny. And they were saying, what was your first house you know, what do you believe to be the first house? And he said, Colonel Abrams, music is the answer, full of energy. And uh, he said, um, he said 1984. And I, 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 gosh, I remember it was 1983, but there you go. Then you think, was it 84? And it always makes you question it. But um, damn, that is early, you know, streetwise records. So we're, getting all, we're all getting all uh, train spottery, but you know what I mean? Silver Label with the dub on the beast. Silver Label, yeah. Arthur Baker had something out on. I'm sure he did as well. That was his label. That was he signed yeah. that. That was Jones. Winston Jones is all over that record. That's him. Yeah. And I think if I remember memory serves me correct, and I could be throwing some oranges on this one. I think Paul Simpson was involved in that as well. Oh, wow. There you go. Yeah, because yeah. Paul was doing a lot of stuff in that on, around that time on that label and other labels. 
Use Me, Lose Me, all those records are yeah. streetwise. That's him, yeah. Oh, wow. So, you know, without going too, too into just one record, I, I know that the, the accolade seems to go to um, On and On, Jesse, you know, from Jesse, you know, Z Factor. On Mitch, is it Mitch Ball? Uh, which was the one of the there was two labels that were out before tracks. One was Mitch Bourne, one was called Precision. Mm-hmm. Um, all, all from Larry Sherman's camp, and I'm sure Marshall would would know a lot more than I do on on that sense. On exactly, you know, there's so so many. That's who he's talking about, everybody. The Godfather of the House yeah. in Chicago. Marshall Jefferson, Jesse Saunders. Marshall mentions all that in his book. Let's give it yeah. up to Marshall. God bless him. Thank you, Marshall, for just and sticking up f- for me, really. You know, and and because so, it's really cool. What's funny about it is that yeah, all right. What you're going to argue, argue with Marshall? All right, yeah, you crack on, you crack on, son. You know, but it, it's also um, I had a bit of a thing on Facebook. And I never, ever get involved in sort of too many, but um, almost a discrepancy because I was kind of putting it out as promoing for myself for a gig. I was saying, you know, Godfather, a UK house, which was termed, by the way, by Groove Rider, not by myself, um, in in a DJ Mag uh, edition. I remember reading that. I do remember Groove Rider gave that to you, right? Groove Rider gave it to me because he used to shop with me at my price. (laughs) <laughs> and he used to really be against house music. And I don't mean, again, I don't mean it in a bad way, just like, you know, um, and we, we became friends, man. We just like, it's going, no, 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 you need to, you need to get your ears around this, man. You know, and obviously then what I call third generation pirates, they then, you know, because... It sort of went in ways, you know. I mean, you don't really hear much about pirate pirate radio anymore because people have got DAB licenses, FM licenses. You know, they're going like sweeties now rather than, you know, back in them days. You know, to play the music that you wanted to play was was unheard of, Lenny. It really was. You know, I, d- I don't know what the laws were like in America in that in that sense, but no, Jesus, you know, you got, listen, if you even got close to getting try to get a pirate station on within an hour, it was shut down. You couldn't play around here in New York. First of all, the problem in New York is every two clicks is a radio station. There's no place to put a friggin' pirate station. I know in England you had a lot of airspace on FM bands, so you can play here. Forget it. It'd be you would have yeah. to do is kind of like some like Disciple did back in the day, and a couple Cosmo was on, you know, um, Colleen she was on uh, NYU Radio, and they were having their shows pushing house music. You know, Disciple's a big purveyor of that. I remember going to the radio station at WNYE and hearing him do the show. Right, so that was our pirate radio. You know, right. don't forget you had. Master mixing going on for many, many yeah. years from Shep going back to Tech Courier. I mean, you guys used to get the cassette tapes over in England. Yeah. So you knew what was going on because a lot of records were being played in New York radio. And then a lot of you would be calling us asking, you know what that record is? And it would be like such and such out of New Jersey. And you guys were searching. So you really were on your game. All of you were. You especially. Yeah. Because you would be sending us tapes and asking us what these records are. And we would call 
I would maybe call Humphrey and ask him what he was playing. It was back. That's how it was back then, everybody. That's how we did. That was the internet. Play me the record on the radio over the phone. Over the phone. Over the phone. You know what this is? Oh, yeah. yeah, You know what this Brothers or whatever it was. Pal Joey did this. Pal Joey. Yeah, whatever. Pal Joey. New Groove. I mean, we could honestly, I, 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 I don't mean this, but I, I didn't think I'd be able to fill up two hours. Of course, I'd be able to fill up two hours. But this, this you got you, you haven't even gotten to ministry yet. We haven't even gotten there yet. Or your, or how Jazzy becomes Jazzy M of London. Let's. I know he was worried. Everyone, I was laughing. I kept laughing <laughs> myself, saying, "Yeah, right. You got more hours. You have more yeah. story than the hours we have for this show." It's a. It was a proud moment to. Um, what. I like I like to call it a lot of firsts, you know, first to play house in, in, in the UK, first, you know, via radio, not not definitely not via clubs, because like I say, you know, there wasn't enough re- you could wouldn't have even been able to play in the clubs all night. There weren't enough records. That was something very important because I've had sure. Graham Park and I, I remember Mike Pickering from M. Did you guys know what was going on in the north at all in London? Like what was going on in Hacienda, or was that completely no. separate from what was going no. on? To we, we did, the, the, all I can tell you is, is that, that you can. I, I don't know how you could ever program a night of playing music, like dare I say, a house night, without enough records. And every DJ knows that. You know, you need enough music to to, to play through the night. Um, obviously, if you have different DJs, you, you, they're not going to be playing the same. Tune. You know, when we was just getting back, um, we kind of went off on a tangent about like the sound systems. One of my earliest memories, because you said, "How did you hear it loud?" Well, I got a, one of my earliest memories is is um, a very early warehouse jam called Hedonism. So, shouts to them. And uh, I met or I saw a young. DJ by the name of Justin Berkman playing there. Kid Bachelor also was playing there. And and very, very prominent. It was a great night, by the way. And uh, Johnny Walker, a dear friend over at Polydor, was at A&R. He got me the tickets and we went along. And it was in a warehouse, I think, in somewhere in Ealing. in, in London. Uh, no, not in London, just outside, going towards uh, Heathrow Way. Um. It doesn't matter where it was, but at the end of the day, what I'm trying to say is that, that I never, ever heard house music played like that. There, again, was a sound system. If I think it was called the John Adams Sound System. And this was how, obviously, I believe that it then went on. The Ministry of Sound so it was kind of like the intro into the way that the ministry is. I know the ministry sound was based on, um, you know, Paradise Garage in the sense of the, you know, the, the sound system and everything. But trust me, this was the first time I'd ever heard. I was thinking, oh, and I heard, uh, I think it was Ray's, some, yeah, something in that. And I'd never heard like, you know, the, the way the snares and the bass and everything was coming through. I was like, whoa. Yes, yeah, it's, it's just something that always sticks in in my mind as something very very early in them days. As you know, as as far as because there was no clubs doing it. Trust me. Maybe you had a club. I think there is it. Um, 
the, the Hippodrome or something like that might have had a, a big old sound system, but it certainly wouldn't be playing anything underground, you know? Right. And there's always that first time. It's like getting your cherry pop. You never forget that feeling. You never. No, of course not. You'll never, never forget your first time. <laughs> never forget it. You, you, you can hear it ten times more. <laughs> that first shot that you're like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. I, I haven't got that because the memory does not serve me as well as I'd like to say, but it, it was kind of, it was definitely called hedonism. And, and uh, Simon Gordon, I think, he's, was responsible for it. And jo but Johnny Walker was the one, a friend over at Polydor, who, who got me those tickets. I'll never forget. And Polydor was in with, with FFRI. It was all like they were all in one together because they were under a, uh, an umbrella called Polygram, Mercury, FFRR. Well, all, all these labels all in one building, all over at Hammersmith. And, of course, I was, like, uh, a, a very frequent visitor there with my, you know, signing up groups and bands and, and, and doing my own compilations. It was, great. it was a great time, man, great time, real groundbreaking time. And um, there was a, a, a young lady that's, that used to come through our doors of Vinyl Zone, and um, she then went on to um, start, her, her name's Lynn, Lynn Cosgrove. And she went on, you know, Lynn, um, to, to then start a very early Ministry of Sound. I remember getting a call saying, you'll have to get on, because I didn't really, I wasn't really too crazy about getting on flights and stuff. <laughs> and um, that was the beginnings, really, of, but Justin, um, Justin Berkman's idea about the ministry came to me way, way even before that, like five years before. Again, I'm going off in tangents, but what I'm trying to say is that he, he had this idea. It was based on the Paradise Garage, as far as I can remember. He's come to me at the counter of my price in Croydon's, and I even remember blueprints being rolled out in front of him. Forgive me if I was tripping, but I do think that I remember that. He said, I got the place. And I was going, you're joking. This was like five years in the making. And I remember going to a, uh, a hearing, <sighs> Lambeth Town Hall. Okay. And uh, I was called a referee. I ha had to stand up and say that I, I had, you know, at a certain point, Justin asked me to do this. I vouch for blah, 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 blah you know, to be a, a nightclub or something in the ilk of that and, and was born, was the Ministry of Sound was born. Oh, you were there for the actual... Yeah, I was... I was, I was the go-ahead, the go-ahead to make this club. Yeah, and I was a referee at the town hall meeting. The, the police were there. They were against it. Was this in the Elephant Castle area? In that yeah, part? This, I, I think that the, that the ministry was as an old... Um, shoe factory, and it was it was you know they'd they'd obviously picked it up. Justin had you know uh, teamed up with some you know some well-to-do people, and um, you know the birth of the the club. He, he, but it was his idea, man. He 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 was on that idea for a long time, and I'll never forget his face when coming through. Though you know I, I've got it, I've got it, Jess. I'll never forget that moment, man. In a sense of like, wow, you've you've done it. And I, I remember saying to him, Do you realize what you're doing? Do you realize 
who will want to play there. I goes, you do know that, don't you? You do know that everybody. You said that, right? You said yeah, that. I goes, you do know that everyone in the world will want to play this. He said about the circular stacks, you know, it, it didn't have circular stacks, by the way, but I know, because I know, but it, that was his whole idea about, you know, the circular room, the circular, so every point in that room, wherever you was, bang, bang. Didn't end up quite like that. No, change. No, yeah, and the the great. I, I one of the greatest. I, I say it's it's it is a, a series of firsts. So many firsts for me, and that opening night, man. That opening night, I was behind a wall. <laughs> I was behind a slit, a big slit in the wall, and all I could see was hair, and that was the main room. The, the, this is, I tell this, I used to tell this story so much to people, you know, when, when you're in the VIP, Lenny, when you're down them tunnels and you're telling people, you know, the, the booth used to be here, man. Right, you right, tell the the same thing. To be here, man. No, 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 no. You know, people be no, laughing no, at you no, like no. you're some <laughs> idiot. And it's going, no, this is where the booth was. This is where we DJed. And this is where I played the first record on the opening night. I go, to be fair, it was the first dancer, the first ever record, as far as my memory serves, is that it was um, 2001 Space Odyssey, which uh, Justin wanted to play to open the doors to everybody to walk into the room with. Look at Jazzy, Look at Jazzy. Ministry. Look at him. <laughs> deep in concentration. Deep, deep. Yeah, sweaty, sweaty, working hard. That's that's the bar. That's the bar. I was going to say to you about the bar. The bar had many places, many booths. You know, during its its life. Oh my god, the early ministry had a, a cinema room, Lenny, and you know it was. Oh, the, it was like a warehouse. The early ministry was was very much like a warehouse, like a, a gutted out. More important. You had to get the Odyssey 2001 record, put it on, the whole thing? No, I, did, I didn't put that on. I didn't put that. But what I'm trying to say is, is that was put on to just to open the doors. It wasn't put on for the it, – they, they, what they did is they kept everyone in the bar. And you know the ministry. You know the ministry's got these tunnels, right? Those tunnels didn't exist. What there was was there was the bar, there was some doors, and there was the main room. And you open the doors and everyone just walked in. There was no sound tunneling. So, uh, well, if I can remember right, I'm, I'm sure that's how it was. So put the 2001, open the doors and let everyone come in to the main room from the bar, which, by the way, was a juice bar. And the reason that we were there at that, that, that meeting was so that they could get this 24-hour dance license. And the only way they could get it was to be a juice bar, not to serve alcohol. Again, if my memory serves me correctly, that's how I remember it. I it could be wrong, be, but... Because yeah. Justin modeled everything after the garage, and the garage was no alcohol. Yeah. So I can guarantee yeah. so, you... That so was there you I go, did. right? And I, I remember these giant, giant bowls of fruit, and oh, my God, on the bar. Like, you know, but there I was, up behind this slit, Behind, you know, behind, uh, behind this, uh, you know, waiting, two thousand one playing, da 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 da, yeah, boom 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 boom, and then I just drop it, and 
It was the, you know, the the, the 6 a.m. mix of uh, Saturday, De La Soul, Morales mix. Never, ever will I f- again forget. It's it's one of those moments. The, 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 the scary bit before then was looking at this, this mixer, this Yuri, this modular mixer, which was insanely alien to me. <laughs> all I knew was like, really and truly, we were, because we were all brought up on hip hop mixers, which were just, you know, crossfader, like everyone would be doing this, man. Everyone, you know, this was part of, I'd, I'd say that the kind of British way of, Mixing, not knowing this amazingly smooth style of uh, American mixing, yeah, which was done really on modular mixers, which obviously Justin certainly knew about, yeah? Yeah, he did. He did know about it. He anyway, a- this very kindly gentleman came up to me and said, he, you know, he saw me a little bit puzzled, saw me a little bit, maybe I, I was showing that I was a bit, you know, it, it was a big thing for me opening night, Ministry of Sound, and it was Larry Levine. And he just showed me the, the mixer. What is it? Huh? What is it? Not really much, just show me, you know, kind of quite authoritative. I, you know, I, I watched, learned, and bang. I, I, I almost remember, I think it was with a couple of, couple of girls were sitting there, you know, like just sit. It's one sofa. It wasn't really that, uh, you know, glamorous, dare I say, behind there. It was all real, quite raw. Um, and a great big kind of like, you know, so like you couldn't even really, you really would have had to have like done that to, to look out to actually see. All you could see was hair. And there you go. That was the way we began. And to be fair, I can't really remember much else. I know that it was awesome, and you know that was the opening night. And a lot of people on 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 my Facebook, on my social media, do they? They you know they were there. So you christened it, you christened yeah. it with the first dance record. Yeah. Heard it Morales' mix of De La Soul, and it is a tune. And it, we, they did an exhibition, Ministry did this exhibition called the 2020 Exhibition, which was the 20-year birthday, 2020, la, la, la. And there it is, the, the, the cover of, on you know, of a, ro- a roller skating jam called Saturday. So, who I absolutely, I love De La Soul anyway, but that that mix, the be- the way the chords, you know, it's just a tune to start with, isn't it? 115 BPM, nothing too crazy, but then it just goes, you know, once, once the rap and bam, pow! Welcome yeah. to the Ministry of Sound. Welcome to the Ministry of Sound. Yeah, that's the way it began. And um, yeah, played played a few more times. Never really played there uh, again for a while. Uh, won't go into that really. Uh, you know, there was a lot of early politics going on, and um, that's when I. You know, we bring it to to Lynn, and then saying, you know, I think about the the whole residency thing, and that started wow. Because um, L W R then was, you know, they, I think we, the pirates all switched off. Kiss got the Kiss FM. They were like this weekend station, and and obviously everyone in London knows who Kiss Kiss were. It's still on now as a 
as more of a, of a commercial dance station. But in them days, you know, Gordon uh, was running uh, a weekend station, very, very popular, you know, um, and an incredible, an insane amount of talent from that station as well. And they got the, they got the legal license. So for us, radio days in that time, the door shut. But the, another, you know what they say, one door shuts, another one opens. So, you know, and of course I had Vinyl Zone as well. I, I obviously started the label as well, Ozone. And that's the mem the the mem the biggest memory then was obviously and the biggest thing then was the, the ministry residency. So that's where ruling begins. The whole you're doing all that, right? Yeah, yeah. So Jazzy, let me tell everybody something so important. Okay, you see that ruling thing? Jazzy's part of being the resident ministry. You couldn't go around London and trip over his gosh damn picture. His picture was all over London. He was a pinup king. When they were when they were running around those days postering, you would see Jazzy M's name and the guests. And this went on for years. So good on you, Jazzy. Thank you. You did a lot of damage in a very volatile way in a very important nightclub that created a lot of DJs that spin off of what you were doing. Yeah. They just celebrated 30 years, so I, I wish them, uh, obviously, all the very best. 30 years of Ministry of Sound, wow. Crystal, what club you know is, I mean, I mean, Timmy Register with the Shelter. But yeah. there are no real clubs that are going week to week to week yeah. to week and never shot. Never no, shut down, except for COVID, they shot. Obviously COVID, yeah. Look at this, yeah. the Ministry of Sound Festival, everybody, look at that. Yeah, wow, that was, yeah. The 25th anniversary. Yeah. Or twenty twentieth. that was, I think, 20. It was a big year for them, the uh, 20, 20 year, um, huge amount of celebration. Got a, on my mix cloud, on the Jazzy and Mix Cloud, I have got um, an hour which was recorded on the 20, you know, live set from the 20. Is that, now that is the opening Saturday. I had the great honor. Yeah. So there's a picture of, what I was talking about. Obviously, I think, I don't know whether that's the, the other side of the wall, you know? Yep. Um, look how English didn't look touristy. Didn't have that touristy look no, yet. No, and not a phone in sight. <laughs> no cameras, no phones. Oh, you read that all the time. It's like, oh, back in the day, vinyl was great. Now it's like not a phone in sight. You're just thinking, yeah, but people are going to have phones and they're going to take and they're going to make videos. They're going to, but yeah, I know. Get into the group, man. It's okay. <laughs> Get into the group. <laughs> so, you, of course. The ministry story takes you to a whole other level. Um, yeah. It took my life to a whole lot. I'm not going to tell you that now. Yeah. 18 years at Pasha. Yeah. And it, it became like, for me, it, obviously it was just a way of life. And, it, it, you know, this is a, you know, when people say, oh, I dream of that. I dream of doing it. I, I didn't. I didn't dream of this. Yes, you did. I, no, no, no. I didn't dream of, of the, because I didn't really truly know about it in the sense of like, I know that sound maybe sounds a little bit, but what I'm trying to get at is that, you know, once you've got it, oh my God, you don't want to let go of something like that. 
you know, the, I mean, 30, you know, that, that's a long standing of being a resident. Can I break in and explain something to everybody? One of the most humblest people I'm speaking to in our game is this man right here. Okay. When I met him and spoke to him, treat of all this happening, none of us ever dreamed we would see each other in the same continent, nor less ever play together. Yeah. This is way, way before this was ever dreamed about transatlantic DJs flying over. Remember, there was no ministry yet. There was no talk of any of this stuff. We were just happy to be, hey, can you get me these records? Hey, what's going on with this? That was it. There was no, oh, you're going to come over. I never dreamed of I was going to ever come into England to play music, ever. No. None of us did. It was never, it was not discussed. It was no, there was no go-to. There was nobody doing it yet like that. No. There was some that flew over, special gigs, like Tony Prince talks about how they brought certain performers, DJs to play in the 80s and stuff. But there was no nightclubs that were doing that level of, we're flying every week an international guest. No. And you being the resident to play along with those guests. And those guests may be Frankie Knuckles, Tony Humphries, yeah. let's go on the list, David Morales, myself, right. Eric Murillo, Roger Sanchez. I mean, Roger, the, yeah. the list goes, the list is of on and on and on. Todd Terry. Oh. Ah, I mean, it just goes, uh, Daniel Davoli from Italy, uh, Claudio Coccoluto you played with. I remember you played with everybody. Everyone. Everyone, everyone, everyone has played with Jazzy. If you were making great records or you had a fantastic crowd, trust me, you played with Jazzy. And this man is so humble and doesn't talk about that. But I'm telling you, do your research. That's why when I said on, when I talked about the prequel to the show, The Godfather of UK House, because it truly wasn't anything like that coming out of that part of the country. You know, there was no such thing yet. You know, you were all train spotting, trying to figure out how can we even make a living at this? It wasn't even that, it was never about superstardom, right? Jazzy no. was no superstar. It was just, it'd be a fun thing. We work in a record shop, we own a record shop, or, hey, this is great, you know? Yeah. You know, I go back to, um, my stepdad saying to me, this staunch Irishman, and he used to say to me, that's just a hobby, you know? And that's a terrible Irish accent, but he go, that's a hobby. And I'd be saying, no, it's, it's you know, one day it could it could work out. I just always, again, you know, things ring in your, your brain and you just think that nah, it, it was more than a hobby. And I remember my dear mum saying, you know, like, why do you keep buying records? <laughs> like, oh, because, you know, why can't you just play the ones you got? And and the thing is, is that even from them very, very early times, you just think it was, it was, it's obviously passion, isn't it? It's what, it's what you, you love. And the one thing that I can say to every single person out there that's listening is, and we spoke about this earlier, Lenny, is that it, it is a, a universal language. It really does bring everyone together. And having the, the privilege to have played so many places, wow. You know, uh, 
you you don't have to speak their language per se. Like you know, wherever I played, and yeah, it's been some eighty countries and so many cities in those countries. But it is one language that will get everyone and bring everyone together. You know, saying about a lot of firsts, we we had the the blessing and the privilege to play one of the first uh, mixed race uh, jams in, in in South Africa. We did a ministry tour there. We played Joburg. Shouts out to Lloyd. Thank you, Lloyd. And to Mark Alberg, you know, for making that happen and making that possible. You know, we we did a lot of first. We did a lot of, uh, you know, and, and like you say, it, it was an, an insane tone, insane privilege to even have done it. I, I, you know, saying humble, but it, when, like you say, when you're in it, you're in it. And yeah, was, money was earned from it, but I couldn't think of it. You know, there's a quote from people, famous acts going, look at me, I'm getting paid this and I, I love doing this job. And that's how I felt. Wow, I love this. I never want this to end. I never want this to stop. Um, but what I mean by that is that it was, you know, it's just an amazing thing to do. Pasha, my God, <laughs> You know, Ibiza was, was, you know, 13, 14 years in the making. And, of course, for Ministry of Sound. You know, we, we, we did make, help make that that brand the, the size that it is due to the fact of all that, you know, groundbreaking work that we took to every country out there, you know. Um, but had a, an insane amount of pleasure doing it and learned so much from it. It. The, the only thing, Lenny, is that, yeah, it, it just wasn't documented in the way, obviously, things, you know. Well, the social, media, well, the social media wasn't there, but Mixmag no. and DJ did all that. They yeah. were constantly taking pictures of all of us playing together, working, and these things would be up. But here's the question I hate to ask. Go on. Does everything come to an end? All good things sometimes do. Yeah, of course. Did that, happen to, did that happen to to you personally? In the yeah, I, without obviously going too personal, yeah, it, it definitely seems like it did. You know, um, moving on from the ministry or, or or whatever way you want to look at it, you know, things do end. People, you know, the you know, it's like if you're whatever profession you're in, you, you get older, you, you move on, maybe you become a manager, you know, play a manager and then you just become a manager, whatever you're, you're in, you know, it's the natural cycle of life, you know? But it, the thing is, is while you are still got life in you and you'll always, you know, if you've got music in your blood, it's never going to go. It doesn't matter what you're doing out there. That's never going to leave you, man. So, it's in your veins. It's in you. It's part of you, and it will never leave you. So it's never over. In the sense, for you, it's just that you have to do other things. You know, we we, we all need, uh, we all need to live. We all need to to you know, like your your lungs need air to breathe, and you know, we need food to eat. Right. But um, music, oh, it was, you know, I'm glad things, in a way, I am glad things are documented now because obviously it's a way of reaching out and, you know, if we didn't have technology, we wouldn't be doing this tonight. Correct. That is correct. So then, and, and, 
telling the story that hasn't been told. This story, I'm I'm so glad to have told this story. I, I, oh my god, and I haven't really told a lot of it. But you know, I, I'm looking at the time, Lenny, and I'm don't worry about the time. You just tell the story. Tell the story. But um, what I'm saying is, is that you know, there's so much to it. Is it you can't you can't cram. No, uh, it's impossible. You have to write that book. That book has yeah. to be written that you have yeah. to talk But see, that's what I'm saying. He's touching on major points. There's a lot of there's a lot of itsy bitsy points that ravel into all this. Yeah. You need 10 hours at least to talk about yeah. part of it. And there's so many people out there I'd love to give props to as well and say, you know, and me, you know, I, I get you know, when you get feedback, then you know as well as I do, you get feedback back from people when they say things like, um, a house is not owned by one. But, well, of course it's not. It must be silly. Of course it's not owned by by you or me. But it's, Jesus, it's, it's more about, you know, the fact that, in a way, it's like history in itself. That's why you think, God, do I believe that about history? Something that happened in 1610? You know what I mean? It's been documented, but was it documented correctly? Because I know one thing, and I can tell you from the heart, that house music's history, no matter where it's from, has not been documented correctly. And thank God for, for things like this, because this is a way of, of really truly getting something true out. And it's not about, I, I did think, oh, it's about, I'm the first, I'm the, but it's more about, oh, let's, let's get this straight, man, you know? This is how it began. This is what happened. And it's, it, there's no ownership because you then become a part of it. And it's like, well, hey, let's let's enjoy it. I mean, after all, like I say, music is, is that universal language and just glad to have been part of it and still part of it. Still yeah, very yeah. much a part of it. I'm not. I'm talking like it's over and it's so not over. It ain't over until it's over, as they say, you know. Yeah, but you're making a resurgence. We're seeing you playing again. Yeah. So what yeah. was that fight like to get yourself back into those, you know, moments again? Like, you know, what what did that take? We we know the historical part of it. We also know you have a pause part. But what does it take to come back and say, hey, I'm still a, a champion boxer in a sense. Mm. I could still bow. You know, I'm older, I'm smarter, yeah. but I can but I can still do it. Uh, a lot of lot of mind power, and I think people around you as well. A, a lot of love, you know. You you can't forget the people that love you. You know what I mean. You you got your nearest and dearest, and 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 dare I say, you know, there's obviously I think for everyone, everyone out there, people have dark times. I, I read so many stories and people, and I'm always you always say, wow, you know, especially if it's a friend. Like I had a phone call last night from someone and. You know, ill, and you just think, wow, send you love, send you, you know, there's nothing you can do except say, yeah. And yeah, I, I, I kind of like, I had my own things to deal with, and uh, glad that I'm obviously still here. Had things to, you know, some illnesses, things that, that were not, uh, that would knock you out of sync. Because if you haven't got yourself, who have you got? You know, you, you know what I mean? You can't send part of yourself out to DJ. You can only be your force. Oh, I just send my arm. It'll handle the job. The arm will handle yeah. or, or these ears. Just yeah, have them. But you know what I mean? It's like, 
you get through it. I think my my that was the there's a saying like you know never judge a man by of what he's got by how he comes back. And I, I I've I've got that wrong by the way. But it, what I mean by is it's just it's 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 good. It's like you know don't call it a comeback. LL Cool J. You know it's like it's like come back, be stronger. Older, wiser. Wow, we've learned so much, Lenny, haven't we? We've learned so much during the course of this life anyway, yet alone. You know what I mean? Let me clarify clarify something to everybody. When you're alone alone, and really alone, alone. after the light shot system goes down, he knows what I'm talking about. When things start to become where you the phone stops ringing let's just say it could do you in because you're used to being a center of attraction to a certain extent where money's coming in gigs are coming in and when this all this machine slowly starts and then it crumbles it's a tough acceptance i know that it's a tough acceptance i've spoken this with other guys to have to now regroup and try to fight to get what's yours when you're watching others and you're going, they don't deserve that. No. Or they haven't worked and no. and traveled the roads. That no. Work. Yeah, exactly. I mean, groundbreaking stuff, you, you know, being a purveyor or a groundbreaker doesn't mean that you're going to get all the rewards. It doesn't. I, I have been so blessed in what I've done and I, you know, I'll never ever take that away, but it ain't like let it ain't over yet so this is what i'm saying and and once you've done this for oh my god so so long what else do you know what to do you know what do you you know uh, i could tell you so many stories of people that have called me or messaged me and were quite despondent themselves you know not so much through the covid time but even pre that you know, and I've asked for advice and I'm like thinking, God, if you, you only knew what was going on this side of the coin, you know, like, but you, you're always trying to help the people that you, you know and, and care about, but you've also, also got to help yourself. Number one is, is, is important. Mind, uh, getting your mind straight is, is obviously far, you know, looking after yourself, your health, whatever. You, you only get one shot at this. So make sure you do it right. You know? Health is wealth, everyone. And health is wealth. Jazzy has told us a lot today. Yeah. Health is wealth. And Jazzy forgot to mention something so important, but let me let me mention it for you. Remember, everybody, crack is whack. Yeah. That's the era we come from. Crack is whack. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let it be crack. Don't let it be crack. Don't let it be crack. Yeah. It be crack. <laughs> but as this is this is this is what we're talking about realness mm. joys of why we all do what we do and this is the part i miss the most jazzy would have his store and he would say to me no lenny don't go nowhere mate we're gonna go have dinner after right that's the kind of moments you know it'd be a bunch of us and what we're doing right now is what we would be doing at a dinner laughing crying talking yeah Shouting out about who's a crap business and it's like any business. It's a business. But at the end of the day, there's good guys, there's bad guys. And the question bad guys. A lot of bad guys. Yeah. Not a play. You gotta know how to play with them. And a lot of pretenders. 
<laughs> imitators. Yeah. Imitators. Oh, yeah. A lot of imitation going on out there, everyone. People asking me if I ever played a gig with you. Of course I have. I played at Pasha with him. I yep. played at Ministry. Me and Kerry played. Yes. We played with Jazzy. Yes. I played with Jazzy. Yes. I didn't say that in the beginning. Let yeah. me clarify it one more time. If yeah. you played ministry for a ruling party, it's either CJ or Jazzy. It happened the nights I played with Jazzy. Yes. Does Jazzy know how to work a sound system? Hell yes. Does Jazzy know how to make it go really loud and your heart, you feel your heart in the dance floor? Yes. I experienced it with Jazzy, with his bass, his rolling yeah. bass lines, because he likes to play, he likes to play tough. I can't explain. It's a tougher sound. It's a groovy but tough pushing sound. And I've experienced yeah. on the dance floor. I would go stand down there for an hour taking in what he was doing just to see his perspective. Yeah. Musically, so when I say see, listen perspective of what he's trying to say. That's how we would talk this way. We, what is he trying to say? And he would say it through the music. The music would speak. You know, We knew the person. We knew the fun-loving guy. But we also wanted to hear the guy that would rock you, make you feel your heart palpitate from the dance floor. <laughs> I love Good. the bass. I would go up to Jazzy, guy Jazzy, push it, go back on the dance floor and listen to boom, 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 boom. Mm. Oh, man, what a feeling that was. I remember oh, running out of that box and, and running into the middle of the room if you could actually get past you're trying, Yeah, you're trying to go in the middle just to feel it with the dance floor. Right? Yeah, absolutely. What a sound system. What oh, a sound. Jesus. And if you never play in a system like that, you would, you, oh my God, you got to get ready for it. You yeah. really got to get ready for it. It's an experience. Because even the sound for the monitors, it's so God forsaken loud in the room. You couldn't even hear the monitors properly. That's how loud it was. <laughs> you remember yeah. Jazzy? It's yeah, crazy. Absolutely. absolutely. Six, I don't know how many used to be flown on the on the, you know, and you'd have like one, two, three, four, yeah. Six monitors firing yeah, yeah. down. And you'd still and and then a and a bass bin behind you. In this is in the booth. <laughs> Well, yeah. God bless you, my man. Thank you. For, God oh, bless you. Man. Get your um, shirts up. Let's push it one more time. Get all, all your right. shirts up. Listen, okay. this is ozone. Uh, Ozonetees.com. It's a bit of uh, there's there's your ruling. There's your ruling. Schooling for ruling. Um, we got a. Obviously, I showed that earlier. That's the house sound. How sound on? I love that ruler. This is hot. Yeah, that is hot. You're going to get one of those. I need those because I played the ruling. <laughs> I want one of those for sure. Send, send me what? Send me one of your house ones. I will. Thank God, house Thank music, God. music is back. Which that's an album. That's an album I compiled for for Mike Sefton over at A and M. By the way, when, so when sorry, that's album. the House Hallucinates album that used a lot of um, early. It's it's all acid. It's all early track stuff, but. Um, unbelievable album, unbelievable. You know, um, I feel like uh, I'm on Blue Peter now. <laughs> you don't know what Blue Peter is, you know. And this is one I made earlier. Um, and then that's that's oh, us. That's oh, us. Ozone. Yeah, that's us now. That's um, our third generation ozone. 
That's us right now. All right. That's where we're at. Yeah. That's uh, Ozone yes, T-shirt. Go, go on. Today's set with the USB sticks and your, you know, I've watched you. You said, I feel like I'm back where I belong. Comparing to the good time. Does it feel the same or is it different for you? It's different. It's 100% different. I was only explaining this the other day. Um, and then somebody, I think, came through and said, oh, but you can program your record box uh, to do something, this, that, or the other, to choose this, to do that, to do that. So, but it's still not quite the same. And the reason being is visual. If anyone know, I mean, this is the thing. It's not, it's not like an old man now laboriously going on, on on the great vinyl days because I'm not. I'm just saying how it was because obviously we did it so much. We took our records out. We, we bought our records, didn't we? We got sent our records. We then went out to a club, yeah? We then put our records down wherever we were playing. We put them behind us. We'd open up the record boxes. And the first thing that a DJ would do, or the first thing I used to do, was then go, clicking through, pull out, pull out, pull out, pull out, pull out, pull out. But that's how I used to do it, yeah? So visually... Although I'd never pre, never pre-plan a set, never, 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 never. Always go by the feel. I always went by the feel of the crowd. Maybe what the DJ was playing, playing before you. La 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 la. Getting a feel for it. Yeah. The difference now is obviously you go with your if you've got, if you're a laptop DJ or if you're, you know, me. Uh, I, I was talking to Mr. C about this the other day about after we'd done this festival to go, because we both compared the fact that we both like to put our USBs in to a CDJ and then cultivate and use them as if they were just record decks, which is what they've been designed to, to be anyway. They're very expensive record decks, by the way, but that's what, that's how I play. And the difference is, is visual. Every single time I make a uh, I, I put a track on a USB. I have to have some kind of picture. It's it's obviously that old school part of me which wants to see the visual. So at least I know. But the the difference is also is that say you know we was talking about um, the dubs into vocals. You know you'd have a twelve inch single that might have six mixes on it. Man, you might want three of them. You might want an acker out of it. This and that. And again, there's a difference. There's a difference. Yes, you can program all of this, but you've got them in a list rather than you're pulling out a vinyl, you're putting it on a platter. You've got, obviously, if you've got somewhere like the ministry, you've got six decks. I think they had six decks. <laughs> so you could put, you've got three decks working. You've got the Akka, you've got the Dub, and you might have the Beats or whatever, and you're just playing around, and then you might take that one off. And then, you know, so to me, obviously, that was a way that we learned for so so many years and you got good at that you you know obviously you were doing it for so it's different i'm not saying it's worse and i'm not saying it's but i'm, I'm because computers obviously they're there to help you but it's the way that you've got to then pre sort of plan your your set so to speak more you know yeah think and dare i pre to it you got to really think yeah. through before you go out the house yeah. you got to think it right you got to work through this you got to yeah. And 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 it's th 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 there's thousands and thousands more tunes 
you know, we're getting sent. Thank you, by the way, everyone sending me music. Thank you. And thank you, everyone that's contacting me, still sending me new. Thank you, Lenny, sending me. You, you're then going through those tunes. You know, you know how long that takes you, Lenny. Oh, you're going through, I'm tired. Bang, 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 bang. You, you can spend whole days. <laughs> it's like, geez, days. You're like, when is it going to end? When's it going to end? And and I'm not being horrible, but not everything is going to be uh, to to what you like. You know, you've got to give them more than a couple of seconds to listen. You know, you've got to listen. There might be something that that crops up, and then then you've got to go through the the, the, the sites where you actually then start to. Because I don't know about you, but I'll be always looking out for a tune that. You know, you're train spotting. That's the yeah. key to being a great DJ. You look for records. I don't care. You look everywhere. It's it's part of our DNA. You can't help it. Yeah. Always listening. So What's- the difference the, the difference is massive. Sorry, I interject. The difference is massive. You know, to the old days of of, of I said vinyl zone, but going vinyl shopping to online shopping because that's what it is, isn't it? It's <sighs> it's online shopping. We are Jazzy, part we are of the online experience was everybody else jumped on a record. You didn't get it. And then all of a sudden you're listening to everybody else and they're all discussing the record. And by the time you left the shop, you had to get a copy and you got home and you heard and you said, thank God I got this because this thing's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. You don't do that now. You're hearing no, digital, no. digital files and you're going, ah. I don't know. And it all depends emotionally how you're feeling. Because a lot of times if I'm not in a mood and I'm listening to records, I'll throw them in the garbage. It's just the way it is. I can't help it. Sorry, buddy. Don't send me your promos while I'm aggravated. Yeah. <laughs> I made Chuck you. I made and, then I, and I've done this. What is that? And I knew I had it. That's what's killing me. Jazzy would be like, I did this to Jazzy one day. Jazzy came and saw me in Black Mark. I just left. I was leaving. He says, is there anything in there? I says, nah, it's not that much stuff. He goes inside. He comes back out. I'm talk- I'm still out on the street. I'm talking to trouble. Somebody comes out. He says, what are you talking about? There's like 30 records in here. I need it. <laughs> he came outside and said, he says, I got to tell you, there's like 30 records in Black Market that I like. I went, I'm minimum. I, once my shop had ended and I, you know, I was going Black Market, like you say, I'd be easily minimum 150 in one store. Have money we used to. Sp- I mean, as, as you can see, <laughs> the money we used to to, to spend on vinyl and ten times over right now. If you didn't have all that collection, no. <laughs> Jazzy, you are a gem, a diamond amongst the coal. You are. <laughs> You are not going to allow this to end without finishing the story. What is the next move when you leave here? Where are you thinking you're going forward now? Back out there. Um, I've got great ideas for a London night that I, I would love to do myself. Uh, I think, you know, um, it's it's been, it's one of those things that's bubbled in my mind for I don't know how long doing my own ozone branded night ozone is is a sound now it's a i've been doing radio shows throughout the years that i developed uh and worked on various stations i'm I'm, oh um so that's one thing i'm i'm going on a a station called unity dab uh huck finn 
shouts man great meeting the other day uh be doing a just a monthly slot just just to get it you know and do an ozone shot i did was i i got two two brands dare i say i call them brands but i mean it's it's more about the segregation of the music and i wouldn't personally want to really do it's it's one of those things where well, do I just keep the, the funkier side of things or, you know, like to that side? And do I keep the more techie, deep, Afro, you know? Uh, and and that's kind of how organically it happened for me. Because like, like we said, there are so many different styles and things going on. So I've kind of branded it for me. Ozone was always about breaking barriers with ele more electronic-y, electronica and, and, and techie you know, techno, um, and the funkier side, what, what I got known for, like you say, ruling the ministry, the glory years, was more funky. And I, and I started up a, a little brand I called Who, Who Killed Disco. It's very, very tongue-in-cheek. Uh, I was reading an article one day, I don't know where, and, and, and it said, well, who killed disco anyway? And I was thinking, well, okay, that sounds like, and I turned around to my and I said, that's that's quite a good name. <laughs> what do you mean good name? Because I'm, I'm thinking it, not saying it. I was thinking, yeah, who killed Disco? So there you go. I, I, I And then I've put all the old, kind of the old funkier style and the, you know, everyone's doing loops still. I mean, no, Disco's certainly not dead. That is, I mean, wow. It's certainly not. Not at all. Wow. Um, I was at a festival the other day and, you know, a kid, I don't know, a kid was... 17 name goes yeah disco man because i had a who killed disco shirt on it's like disco you know and you're like wow <laughs> you know and it was quite funny but um yeah so a night an ozone night a, a radio show and um i'm on board with uh, a lovely lady as you know uh my my agency deca dance so they'll be taking and working with me uh, on certain things uh with with gigs and yeah the, the future's the future's definitely there that's a big applause for coming out karen's out there thank yeah. you karen deck of dance karen deck of dance he's pushing it again she's back in it heavy yeah. and hard Got some yeah. great players representing the best in talent from the UK and abroad. Decadence. Check her out. Brilliant. Karen, Brilliant. who helps me with my work and yes. True House Stories is behind True House Stories. Yeah. Yes, and we must give it up to Karen. Jazzy M, we want to applaud you, brother. Applaud you with a with a golf clap. <laughs> Thank Very you. golf clap. You've done a fantastic job. Check Jazzy out. Hit him up. Let him know what you think of what he's doing. You know, we all need feedback. It's important, but be polite. Don't be rude, be polite. And you know, not everyone's always gonna always agree with what we do, but we have to try new things. And I know a lot of you also live in a time machine that you want us to be a certain way. So just bear in mind, because of changes, and life experience and music making changes. We may not always play the records you want us to he want to hear that night because you want to hear those classics. 
But bear in mind, the talent that you're coming to hear is still there. And on that note, Jazzy M, you are a gentleman. Thank you. A true teacher, a godfather, a true father to children of your own. Yeah. husband. And a team leader, mate. You'd let us... You led us to the water before you're going to lead us again. I Thank believe you. I believe you're going to do it all over again. And you are doing it. You are doing it. And I am so happy you graced our show. Oh, and thank you so much, man. It's been, been an absolute pleasure. And I'm just to say to everyone, um, thank you. Thanks for the support. The support has been phenomenal, Lenny. You know, thank you, everybody. Uh, didn't mention a lot. I didn't even really get through, and and now I, I now I'm really understanding. Lenny. wow, time does fly, man. When when you start to get in a role, and I, I don't believe that I, I've been talking quite a lot, so I know and I didn't even really touch. So we did get some great stories across, and you know, hopefully that has helped everyone to understand some of the true beginnings. Um, you know, and yeah, thanks for the opportunity, Lee, and 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 big up to True House Stories, and and you know, further and bigger and better. We Thank know you. you have a lot more to say, but we want you to write that book, Jazzy. And when you come back, if we're on a different platform, whatever happens, Ooh. whatever changes, <laughs> who knows yeah. what's going to happen? But we need your club nights. We need your club we nights again. Nights. We need ruling again. We need all that stuff again. Oof. Yeah, that I would be cool. Be part of that again. I want to be part of that again. I had such great... Oh, memories. man. It, you know, it, to, to talk to ministry, to even try and get that ruling, proper ruling with the proper, you know, proper sound, that would be amazing. Even if it was one or two parties a year, you know? Wow. That would be cool. If you're hearing... <laughs> ministry, ministry. <laughs> that would be hey, cool. you never know what it could be a true house stories that would rule and you never know that would be nice never know thank you lenny on that note everyone i just want to say one thing more very important as we've given this wonderful man his stage to say what he's going to say and he's in leather legend i'm bringing also a legend from the 80s Mr. Freddie Bastone. Oh, wow. Yes. Freddie Bastone, another 80s legend I reached out to and said, Freddie, you must tell that dance interior story in the Mug Club and all those great places you played in New York. He will yeah. be gracing us next week, not as the actor, but as the DJ. Brilliant. October 6th, Wednesday, 2 o'clock New York City time. And on that note, Jazzy M... Lenny Fontana and all the True House Stories people around the world. Have a great night. God bless. Stay safe. Stay safe. And we'll see you soon. Jazzy, don't leave yet. Take care, everyone. Thank you.